listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shoja. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shajai, and in recent shows, we've been speaking with ATF officers and their service dogs. For instance, we've spoken with Lieutenant Arthur Sakowski about his accelerant detection canine, Porsche, and Special Agent Chris Bombardier and his explosives canine, Ithaca. Today, we are continuing that biting trend with another canine handler from ATF, and that brings me to my rant of the week. Guns. I don't like them. Sure, I understand the whole passionate argument from hunters, and I certainly understand there's a reason for guns in the proper hands. Heck, I'm a Texan. And contrary to popular opinion, not all of us drive pickups with shotguns strapped in the window. But whether you're in Texas or any other state, bad guys and creeps carry and use firearms for all sorts of illegal activities. And once that trigger's pulled, there's no calling the bullet back. But not so if you're using a tactical canine officer. Special Agent Mark Murray has been in law enforcement for 25 years, including 20 years with ATF. Since joining ATF, he has been assigned to three field divisions and the ATF headquarters. Special Agent Murray has been a part of ATF's special response team for nine years and has been a full-time SRT operator for four years. In fact, this past May 2008, Special Agent Murray was selected as the tactical canine handler for SRT2. Prior to joining ATF, S.A. Murray was a police officer for the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Gosh, that's kind of in my own backyard. So listen, folks, call all your canines and make yourself comfy in your bark lounger. We'll be right back with Special Agent Mark Murray after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. 
Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Special Agent Murray. And we're going to be talking about his canine partner, Baron. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I like to start out the interviews by asking guests to tell a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you come to uh, acquire Baron, and what's Baron like? Did you grow up with dogs or other animals? Are you a dog lover from way back? I am, in fact, a dog lover um, for way from way back. We've always grown up with dogs, beagles, German wire-haired pointers. Um, I love to hunt. My dad got me in hunting when I was very young, and we lived out in Kansas. used to hunt pheasants. And so German wire pointers, English setters, Irish setters, um, just all types of, of dogs we've always had. I got my first taste of SWAT work when I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa Police Department, and that carried over into ATF when I had the opportunity. Like I said, in 2008, um, as a member of the full-time team um, for SRT2, we had a need for a canine handler, and um, I applied for the position and was accepted. And at that point in time, when I got accepted in the program, the program manager, Jeff Perryman, started looking for a dog for me. And um, they try to match the handler and the dog, their personality is up. Well, I'm a very laid back individual. And Baron is a Belgian Malinois, and a Belgian Malinois is a very high energy, high athletic dog. So, um, it was opposites there. Um, <laughs> opposites attract. Yeah, opposites attract, and that's how, how it kind of worked worked out. But it has become a a love relationship. But um, it was we had to go through some growing pains there. So but a little bit a, of a challenging doggy. Right, he is a challenging, a, a very challenging dog, and for a new handler, it's like um, I was given the keys to a Ferrari. And, but he just got my driver's license yesterday. So, but he's an outstanding, outstanding dog. Will do whatever you want and always want to please. So, how old is Baron right now? Baron, he was two in April, and when we first picked him up, he was fourteen months. So he was a very young at the time we initially started training with him. Wow. So, were you a canine handler when you were in Tulsa as a police officer, or this was just with with ATF? Just with ATF, um, like I said, our team had a vacancy and, and needed a handler. And my love for dogs, I like dogs. Um, matter of fact, we have a toy pool at home um, <laughs> that Baron loves to play with and sometimes agitate. 
And so when I talked with my wife, and she said, um, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> well, it sounds like uh, my first German Shepherd had a love affair with the toy poodle, too. It was about the size of his head. Which one is boss? Which of the dogs is boss in your house? The toy poodle is the boss for sure. He is the alpha male. Right? <laughs> Describe the training that you had to go through. Now, I understand Baron probably already had some training before you guys got together, but then how long did the training last? And take us through some of the steps. How are the dogs trained? Now, I understand Baron is a tactical dog, and what is he trained to do? Baron is a, uh, a tactical canine trained to work with our SWAT team. When he came to us, um, Baron had you know, some obedience work and some we call bite work. 90% of a dog is his nose. So now we had to take Baron and the handler, get them to work to get get them to work together, be able to get the handler to bring out those traits that Baron already has and to put them together. Basically, um, it was a two month process. Um, training process at the Federal Law Enforcement Education and Training Center in Glencoe, Georgia. Um, Jeff Perriman, who is our program manager, headed up the training. Jeff had been handling ATF K-9 since 2000, helped start the program up, along with two other individuals, um, Terry and Diane Schoenbach from Detroit. They helped ATF put the program together. So when I went down to Fletzy in May, the first thing we do is get the dogs into a room. Now, you can imagine, Baron has been raised outside all his life. So, the, you know, I, we go to pick him up in Florida. That's where we picked him up from Florida. The guy that bred him, he was in Florida. Put him in a hotel room. He's never been in a hotel room. So you can imagine, Whoa. up and down, up off the furniture, everything is new. Grabbing the pillow, I'm thinking, what have I got myself into? <laughs> first day, we get him in the classroom with Terry and Diane and... Jeff Perryman, and we go over some of the you know basic care and maintenance of the canine, health issues, and a training schedule. And that was in the first time we started obedience. Um, Baron had to sit down, lay down in a room for 45 minutes. Wow! It wasn't going, and, it, and he just wasn't going to happen. Patiently, every time he would get up, taken by the collar and gentleman, no plots for him, and then. He'd get up again, no plots, and Terry and Diane said, just keep going. And finally, we got him to the point where he would stay there and reward him, reward him with, um, release him, and let him play. And so that's where it starts with the obedience. And each and every day for, um, for the two months, we incorporated everything into it. Baron is certified by the North American Police Working Dog Association. And part of his certification is um, aggression, tracking, building searches. He has to be able to do all that to a certification level of, you know, you work, all your regular working police dogs. Okay. So you know, and an area searches also. He has certain certification standards he has to meet. Now, what we, you know, the, what the training does is we work with them every single day, little by little. So we introduce him to, you know, the obedience, sit, stay, come, walking on how to walk at your side, a heel or a foose to him, you know, how to walk. Um, you right. do that online, so it's a, it, it's a step-by-step process. Then um, 
if he gets up, you walk, you have him online, you get back to the dog, grab him by the chain, no sit. Walk away for a little bit, praise him, everything to get him to stay. Same thing. You praise him, and then you increase the distance, increase the time, and eventually you get to a point where you can get him offline and you can walk, you know, walk him at your side, turn right, turn left, sit, stay, come. Lieutenant Sikowski and Special Agent uh, Murray, those dogs, of course, it's a different kind of training, but they're trained, they said, exclusively with food and with rewards. Does that come into the training of the tactical dog at all? Or how is he rewarded? Baron is praise and toy. Praise and toy. You know, once he does something, we, you know, commend him. Good dog. Good job. That a boy. And Baron loves a ball. He will chase a ball until you know he drops. So he loves the ball. So it, it's very easy to get him to do because his reward is the ball. I do what you ask me to do. You're going to give me the ball, and it works out very well. So we okay. our dogs are praise and, and toy reward. Okay. And you mentioned also that he came from Florida. Is that where most of these dogs come from, or do you, you get the tactical dogs from all over? We get them from all over. It just happens that the breeder of Baron is a world-renowned breeder out of Plant City, Florida, named Ivan Balabanov. And Ivan, when we have now three, but prior to um, Baron, we had one dog named Nash. Nash is on Team 5 of the Southeast team. Nash um, spent time at Ivan's. So when Jeff, when I told Jeff the type of dog I wanted, he went back to Ivan, and Ivan happened to have um, Baron. Now, Baron is his father is one of Ivan's world champion obedience dogs. So Ivan, so Baron comes from very good stock, not only from Ivan, but he comes from Ivan, some of Ivan's very best stock. And so what we do look, we do search all over. And part of the criteria when we select the canines is um, when we look, they have to be very social and have high prey driver just two of the you know the characteristics but obviously if the dog is not social he cannot function in this job because right now Baron is laying down my you know by my desk right now he's on airplanes with me you saw him up at the, at the hotel in the um in the room with all the people in the room and um so they have to be very social but have a high prey drive and what i mean by high prey drive you take his toy and what we do as a matter of fact part of the process is we get the dog get his toy have the dog observe the handler or whoever's doing it walk into a wood line someplace with the toy, Bring, ah. you know, and, and then you play with the dog 10 or 15 minutes, and when you release the dog, see what happens. If that dog goes back into that wood line after that point in time to get that ball, you've got a dog that has a high prey drive. So those are, that's part of the selection process, two critical elements of the selection process. Others just getting the handler in and with a number of dogs and seeing which ones will come around and be social, which ones will stray off and not want anything to do with you. Wanted to tell listeners, I did meet Special Agent Murray and Barron in New York back in July. They were guests at the International Thriller Writers Association conference and gave a nothing short of miraculous demonstration. I thought the fellow with a sleeve was going to pass out when, when Baron attacked and grabbed his arm. It was really uh, incredible, but was even more amazing to me and impressive to me was when you called Baron off, he immediately stopped 
and and calmed and then was washing the guy's face. I mean, it was like a, a trigger on off. And I am guessing that's what you're looking for also is, as I said in my intro, you can call the bullet back. You can call the dog off and stop the attack and they can still be a part of the family. This is a dog that seems to be very social and, and will interact safely with the public. He does, and it's it all you know. You know the call out, all that's you know is part of the training, but it starts with the obedience. You know, once you get the dog to do the most basic things, to set, come, stay, that's critical. And then once you know you incorporate the aggression, you know the aggression part, having the decoy come in front of the dog either in the bite suit or the sleeve and tease it in front of the dog, get the dog keyed up. The dog has natural, he has natural abilities and natural, you know, hunting skills. So you don't have to teach him those things. Now to teach the dog, okay, this is when I want you to do this. And that all is started off with basically, you know, the obedience. And so now we can send Baron, you know, give him the the command, the, the blitz him as a command, and if the individual gives up, throws his hands up, um, we can call him back or drop him. Or in the case in, um, in New York, Baron engaged the sleeve, and um, I called him back. Obviously, um, in a situation like that, when we're working, uh, we want to be able to go up and arrest the individual and do it safely and not have Baron, in, Baron injured, not have the bad guy injured anymore and he's going to get injured and um, have my team members be able to safely take a guy into custody but you have to be able to control the dog and get the dog off the individual so the team can proceed with his work if the individual is still fighting then the dog will stay there until the individual stops fighting which dog breeds are generally used the belgian malinois is that a breed that is more prevalent or are there are there other breeds that are used for tactical dogs I think as you go around the country, particularly in the United States and in, in the world even, um, I can speak for the U.S., the Belgian Malinois and your German Shepherds are generally the two dogs you encounter the most in this the police-type work. Okay. Do the dogs have to have um, tune-ups as far as the training goes? Now, I know that uh, when I was speaking with um, Lieutenant Sikowski and Special Agent Bombardier, they mentioned... The dogs are trained daily on their work. That's the only way they are fed. So with Baron, is this a daily training, whether you have a call-out or not? In Baron's first year, his first year, we had a requirement of 16 hours a week of training. Um, eight, of, eight of it I conducted you know, by myself or with people in the office here, and the other eight I can, what they called maintenance training, where I went to two individuals who had handled dogs for 37 years who in fact helped us start our program in 2000 and I went up and trained with them once a week when I was not on the road um, on activations. Um, Also when I was on the road in activations we could get a little training in with the team members and now he's into his second second year. Um, I have a still weekly training requirements except I don't you know it's been cut down to about eight hours a week and now I report in the first year I report I had um daily training reports now I have weekly training reports to do I still have the maintenance training set it's cut back to every every about every three weeks now so it's always 
on, the training is always ongoing. Well, I noticed when I met you in New York with Baron, and there was this little tag. I thought first it was just a dog tag, like a rabies tag or something, but it was a badge. So does Baron wear a badge at all times? Yes, he does. He does. He has his own badge with his, his own number, and he also has his own ID card. Yes, it's almost like a baseball card has a wonderful picture of him. I have one of those. Do you do a lot of public relations work with Barron, go into schools or meet with um, conference goers as you did in New York? Yes, we do. Yes, we have. We've done three to four now. Barron has just been on, like I said, over a year now. So we're at the point now where we're real comfortable um, doing things um, with him you know, in public settings and stuff like nature. But he's done you know, a couple of schools a um, thing for the Boy Scouts, and we're doing something tomorrow for some congressional staffers. Well, I know when you think of a tactical dog, or as probably the public might think of them, an attack dog, a police dog, you think of this ferocious canine that you don't want to get near, but in reality, when I came up and introduced myself at the conference and asked permission to pet, Baron basically took all of the makeup off of my face by licking me all over. So do you have this happen very often where the public actually asks to interact with the dogs? All the time, and it's good they do ask. And as I mentioned before, sociability. Baron has to be very social um, because, like I said, he's in my office. He's a, he rides on the airplane with me. He's in hotels, so he has to be very Social. And of course, he, he lives at home with my, you know, my wife. I have a granddaughter that comes over, my mother. So he's in the house with us and the toy poodle. Um, so he, you know, sociability is one of the critical factors of selecting the dog. And so, and he loves women. His first 14 months he spent um, basically with a female trainer. So he just loves women. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back and continue our conversation with Special Agent Mark Murray after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's why. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Are you 
things, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back, and again, speaking with Special Agent Mark Murray, and we're talking about his canine partner, Baron. Baron is a Belgian Malinois who is just about two years old now. He was born April 18, 2007. He is certified by the North American Police Dog Working Association. His duties include assisting ATF agents and law enforcement officers by tracking suspects, conducting area searches, and building searches, in addition to his handler's protection work. Barron lives in Laurel, Maryland with his handler and family, and when he's not working, Barron loves to play with Zion the Toy Poodle, and he'll play fetch with any ball. Now, (laughs) I know that Barron lives with you. So, you mentioned grandkids. So, does Baron sleep with the grandkids? Actually, Baron has a bed in our bedroom, and he sleeps in his own bed the most of the time. When we travel on the road, <laughs> he is allowed to sleep in hotel beds. And recently, I switched his bed out, and I don't think he likes it, so now he's trying to sleep in our bed. <laughs> <laughs> How long is a tactical dog's working life. I mean, he's only about two years old now, but how long could you expect to be working with Baron as your canine partner? We can expect to get five to six years out of Baron or um, your typical police canine, and even even more, but five to six years is um, probably a good number of years. All right. What happens when the dog retires? Is he going to stay with you, or does he go to a retirement home? Um, Baron will stay with me when he retires. I would think after being partnered with him that long, he really becomes a part of your life. It'd be pretty difficult to give him up. Most definitely. I mean, there's a bond that develops there, and you know, he's, he's family, so you definitely would not want to give him up. Would you 
after uh, Baron retires, would you then be partnered with another dog? And if so, how do the two dogs, the retired dog and the newcomer, how do they get along? Obviously, I would like to continue um, with another dog when that day comes, and we'll have to see how, you know, how to introduce a new dog into the situation. I think Baron would be obviously a little bit, um, you know, a little bit older, more settled down, and probably a little more receptive to a, a new dog being introduced into the pack now. I wanted to ask you, too, you have been an ATF officer both without a dog and now with Baron. So what are the advantages, what are the disadvantages to working with a canine partner? Because I enjoy this so much, I really don't see any disadvantages. And if you, and the only, you, know, if you, say, if you consider that when you take the assignment, you know what you're, you know what you're getting into. This is a 24 you know, seven job basically. He lives with you. He wakes you up at six in the morning. You you know you go through all the things. You know, take him out, feed him, walk him, work with him. On the weekends, you can't park him in the corner and say, "Okay, off." I work <laughs> with him on the weekends, and the fact that he's there. So if I, if I you know, obviously, if I'm leaving my house for any extended period of time, he can stay at the house for you know three or four hours. You know, by himself with no problem. If I'm going on vacation, I've got to make vacation plans. That include him or board, you know, or board him. So there's really no negative parts about it. And the good thing about it, Baron, he's always eager to work. <laughs> he, ne- he never talks back. He never asks why. He just wants to work, and all he wants to do is, um, you know, work and be rewarded. And so I, I could not ask for anything better. Do you have any examples that you could give listeners? Tell about a wow case that happened, how the dog worked, how he helped close a case or, you know, capture a bad guy or bring him to justice. You know, I, I know he's a tracking dog. He does protection, all of that stuff. Take me from the beginning. You get a call out and how it all works out. Well, we're part of the, the, the SRT, um, a team, and um, we support the field. I mean, the field, the agents that are working investigations. So what will happen was uh, a field division has a case that warrants a, basically the SWAT team to come up and help with the final arrest or surveillance or takedown of the subject. Um, the call comes into our team leader. An operation plan is prepared. The personnel selected for it. And most of our operations, we always take our, you know, in, incorporate a canine with the team. So we report to a location, whether if it's in the northeast here, it may be within driving distance. If it's in support of another team um, on the west coast, um, we may have to fly there or Florida, or we fly there. We get there, brief, and then we um, go out to our particular assignment. And the canines have a specific function. A lot of times it's on, you know, we're on the perimeter. Sometimes we're in with the team going in or exiting a location to conduct an operation. So it just depends on in the situation, the individual we're dealing with, and the location. Are there any recent cases that you could talk about that um, you can give us an example of how this worked and, and somebody was brought to justice? Not so much for Barron because um, he's always deployed. We've been, we went on 38 operations this past year. Um, we've had wow. runners. We've had um, criminals run from you know, our takedown locations. And the mere presence of the dog just stopped them um, from running. Um, but as far as um, actual engagements of somebody, 
no, not this particular, you know, not Barron, but we have other cases that we have um, that I have participated in as an agent and seen our dogs working, and um, it was our efforts that led to the capture of individuals. I understand that, you know, it makes sense that just the idea of having a dog come after you is going to give you know, the bad guys some pause. I mean, where they might otherwise, we see all the time on TV people with these shootouts and guns and all of that, but it's the idea of those teeth coming at you that just really gives the person pause. Do you think that's a big advantage to, to having the dog with the team? Oh, I definitely um, think so. Um, it, it is, and just, you know, the bark, we had a, a, well, a case in Baltimore. It was a simple assignment. Um, we had people in a basement. And uh, we gave the building search commands, and the team there said, just, you know, keep bearing up, make him bark. He barked, and three people came out of the basement. Just the mere presence of the dog at the top of the stairs barking made three people come out of the basement. A lot of times it's just, you know, the presence of the dog and the, uh, him barking and keying up. I don't want anything to do with that, and, and they give up. Oh, listen, when I was in New York and you gave the command, just the watch him command, and Baron was uh, the barking, oh my gosh, it sounded like he was going to tear his face off. And that's enough to make people, you know, throw down their arms and, and come out and say, please don't let him bite me. You're right. And we, um, as part of our standard procedure, we give three very loud building search warnings. Police, canine, come and sound my voice, I'm going to send a dog in after you. Three very loud commands and the final command and, and if you don't come out I'm gonna send a dog in and you may be injured so we give every ample opportunity for individuals to come out and make themselves known uh, right now I understand there are ATF dogs and handlers all around the country now is that the case or and you said that you you will be deployed all over the country as well are there also training available for for dogs and police officers in local communities through ATF? Not with the tactical canines. All our canines are trained um, at Fletzy um, by our personnel, the program manager, and the contractors that we have. And, of course, we as handlers get to go back in and work with the dogs. Now, what we do, what we do as part of our maintenance training, we will work with state and local police officers whose goals and objectives and their training um, guidelines meet with our guidelines because it's always important to have someone to train with, have facilities to train with. So we find a police department that, is, that their methodology is compatible with what we're doing. Um, certainly we like to partner up with them because it only helps you know, to make our dogs much better. Do you think that a dog like Baron would be, just your general opinion, the Belgian Malinois, is that a, a family pet sort of dog or is that a breed that you think, based on your experience with your dog, that might be a little bit much for the just general pet owner to handle? He would be, the Belgian Malinois would be a bit much as a general pet and for the reason that many dogs like him, he's very athletic, very energetic you know wants to get out and wants to work so if you're not you know you don't have a time to um get out with him to run him to walk him and work him um i, I think you're doing this dog a, a disservice because he's not made to be a couch dog he wants to work and you <laughs> have to have the time and energy to get out with him and work work with him he wants to run he wants to play and so you have to have a whole lot of energy in order to um, maintain one of these. So he's, he, he's an excellent dog. 
um, very social, but you don't want one as a pet if you don't have time to dedicate. All right. I think that's common for all dogs. Uh, they are not VCR pets. You can't shove them under the bed and turn them off. And I know that in New York, you mentioned that Baronet had an issue with a little bit of dog-on-dog aggression. That may have been part of the learning curve you guys went through, but it sounds like if he and Zion are getting along pretty well together, you overcame that. It's interesting. He and Zion never, ever had a problem getting along. You know, I, you know from the time I bought him home and and in August, he and Zion have always gotten along. And maybe it's the fact that, you know, Zion, when he arrived there, Zion was there. And that was established. And with the other dogs, I think it may be all these dogs have a type A personality and they all want to be you know in the top dog so um with baron we had that problem and we went back to ivan balabanov and ivan showed us how to uh, to correctly address the problem and that problem has dissipated which i'm very glad okay can you talk about how uh that problem was overcome sure i will now i understand that you know ivan balabanov showed us how to properly correct the dog using proven techniques and tools to do it. And that's how it was accomplished. We were able to get Baron to be with one of the other canines, get him side-by-side in the kennel, let Ivan do the things that um, he needed to do, and it ad- address the problem. But it was basically showing us how to properly correct the dog using um, the tools available to us and it's done in a hum- it's done in a very humane way and it solved the problem. Okay. Well, I may be able to get into, I know we're going to do an interview with uh, one of the trainers in the future and I may be able to ask some more specific questions on that in a future show. But uh, at this point, I just would like to ask you, is there anything that you feel would, would be really important for listeners to know about your work that I've not asked you? I think it's important to know, and you, and you touched on it, the public's perception of these dogs a lot of times is what, you know, they see, you know, from the police cars or, you know, this and the other. I was a police officer before, and they were, you know, we, you know even in uniform walking up by these cars, these dogs would bark at you and scare you. However, each dog is trained for, you know, a specific thing with Baron um, because he works with a team up close and personal interaction and you know he's working with us as part of a team he has to be very social other dogs work with individuals and they don't have to be as social and they're not required to be that social so it is the dogs it is all in how they're trained and for what they are what their assignment is and so i don't want you, you Sometimes the dogs, you know, you see the dogs and you see them on TV and, you know, they are trained for a specific assignment. Um, with Baron, just as in a demo, when the demo was over, he's back to, you know, licking and kissing, and, you know, and, <laughs> and just being a normal dog. So, you know, the dogs are trained for a specific assignment. And with Baron, he has to be very social with other, you know, dog canines and police cars. Um, they are more individuals. The can officer is assigned to a certain area of patrol. And something happens, and that dog has to go after that individual. And um, 
so he doesn't have to work with a team. He has one person he needs to work with. That's the officer that, that controls him, and that's who he's responsible for. And like wow. the Baron lives in the house, a lot of canines, they do not live in houses, you know, for various reasons, but all is part of the assignment they have. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule, but uh, we are out of time. I'd like to thank Special Agent Mark Murray and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter available at Shajai.com. Woofs and wags until next time. And don't forget, tune in next week for another show with even more details about the training of ATF dogs. After all, you don't want your own dogs to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.